0: This podcast is brought to you by Primed. Brad is a 52-year-old male, and he presents today for continued heartburn. You've cared for Brad over the last five years, and you suspect he may have a great deal of alcohol that he uses regularly. Today, he states he drinks about two to three beers every night. You think that his drinking may be interfering with all aspects of his life, including his GERD symptoms. What do we do next? Hi. Hi. This is Frank Domino. Joining me today is Dr. Jill Terrian, Associate Professor and Associate Dean of Interprofessional and Community Partnerships at the UMass Chan Medical School, Tan Ching Fen Graduate School of Nursing. Hi, Jill.
1: Hi, Frank.
0: uh oh, this is this a weekly occurrence these days. I don't know if COVID made it worse, but um, alcohol use and abuse seems to be more prominent in our practices. Uh, Can you give us a quick update on the epidemiology of of alcohol abuse in the U.S.?
1: Yes, Frank. The article caught my attention and made me really think about my practice. Um, It's really prevalent in the U.S. across all age groups, and it's increased with COVID for sure. The stats show that. They did a study, it was cross-sectional, 2015 to 2019, and they found that 12.9%, we can round it to 13, of deaths in adults aged 20 to 64 were attributable attributable to alcohol abuse. And even breaking it down a little bit more in the 20 to 49 age group of adults, 20% of those deaths could be attributable to excessive alcohol consumption. When you look at that, it's one in eight deaths attributed to excessive alcohol use. It's also higher among men than women And it's really varied by state. This was a U.S. study. And we know that uh, alcohol is one of the top three leading causes of attributable death. It varies by age and gender, but I want to let you know what the stats looked at. The the alcohol was involved with motor vehicle crashes, poisonings, homicide, and alcoholic liver disease. We know, Frank, this is sobering. Alcohol use disorder is widely undertreated and fewer than 10% of individuals receive treatment. And you'll hear, you know, in the literature, alcohol use disorder, you know, it could be a substance use disorder, alcohol is a substance. It's all, you know, in the same category of alcohol abuse.
0: Want to define for us what alcohol abuse is?
1: Yes, yes. Alcohol abuse is defined by the National Institute of Alcohol Abuse. For men exceeding four drinks a day or 14 drinks a week ages 20 to 64. For women in that age category, three drinks a day or seven drinks a week. Actually women of all ages and also men that are 65 or older goes to the three drinks a day or seven drinks a week. Um, The US PTSF recommends with a strong recommendation that we screen all adults 18 and older, including pregnant women at all primary care encounters.
0: Okay, so a prevalent problem, high morbidity and mortality and probably lower numbers than we think. 4 drinks a day, 14 per week for younger men, 3 drinks a day or 7 per week for women or those over anyone over 65. Um so the US Preventive Services Task Force says we should screen. Can you talk a little bit about screening tools, please?
1: Yes. um, There are several tools that exist, and I'll bring the listeners to the website. I have several things there. But just to talk about, and I'm sure everybody's familiar with the CAGE questionnaire, it's four items. It's the briefest effective screening test for lifetime alcohol abuse and dependence, but it is not sensitive for detecting heavy drinking And it doesn't distinguish between active and past problem drinking. And, you know, have you felt you ever needed to cut down on your drinking? Have people annoyed you by criticizing your drinking? Ever felt guilty? And you ever think you need an eye opener or a drink first thing in the morning? And scoring even a positive on any of those leads to further, you know, investigation, investigation. But the audit C is more effective in identifying this population we're talking about today. Uh, These, again, have um, three questions. How often do you have a drink containing alcohol in the past year? How many drinks containing alcohol did you have on a typical day when you were drinking in the past year? How often did you have six or more drinks on one occasion in the past year, which would equal or a little bit more than binge drinking? And there is a, a scale that's associated with Each question. And if you score three or less, okay. But if you have greater than three, it's time to intervene.
0: Okay. You're worried about our patient here, Brad. If you screen him or you take a history and you identify that he may have an alcohol issue, what resources would you recommend for initial treatment?
1: Right. So, you know, what exists for treatment and referral? And so, us as the providers, we're first line. Okay, we're going to talk about that when we talk about Brad a little bit more. Alcoholics Anonymous, you know, they have the 12-step program. There's a link on this podcast to National AA to locate one in your area. Community resources, do you know yours? You know, that is so key to know your resources in your practice. And maybe you have a link with a social worker or, you know, you have people in your office that can help with that as well. But you really should know what's there. And then if you're talking about somebody that, you know, really is drinking and could have a problem with withdrawal symptoms, you need to know where detox is, you know, because they're specialized programs and that may, you know, some of your patients may need that.
0: I have found when I'm in the room with a patient and they seem open to getting care, I ask them to pull out their health insurance card and I say, let's look at this mental health number here on the back. And this is the number you need to call to see if you can find an outpatient counselor or possibly a, a, an inpatient program. Well, let's get specific about Brad. What do, we, what do we want to do with him? And what are, what are our options that we can start today in the way of treatment?
1: As you're questioning Brad, you want to get down to really how much alcohol is he drinking? What is it? Is it just beer? Is there anything else he's taking? And because Brad is open today you want to congratulate him on asking for help. This is not easy for patients and it's very uncomfortable, but you want to know what his goals are. Does he want to stop drinking totally or does he want to reduce his consumption? And, you know, that's the starting point. What does he want? I think that's important. You really need amount, frequency, and has he ever had symptoms of withdrawal? Does he take any other drugs or substances, whether they're prescribed or not? And you want to He's mentioned he's having trouble in his life. Uh, you want to ex- have him explain and probe a bit on, you know, is it home? Is it work? Is it social? Is it everything? Because that's going to tell you how much help he's going to need and and how you're going to have to adjust your treatment plan. And then a key question is, does he have any intent of harming himself? We know that just asking patients about that doesn't cause them to commit suicide. So it's really important to know how down he is, you might do your PHQ-2 and then switch to your PHQ-9 to see is he down and and how despondent is he. Important to know, is this, has he tried anything before? What's gone on? Any treatment, outpatient, inpatient, detox. Mention that you've known him for five years, but you don't know what's happened before that. And we do have uh, three medications that are approved by the FDA in the U.S. And they are, uh, the first one is naltrexone, which really targets people that want to reduce heavy drinking and are pursuing abstinence without hepatotoxicity. So there are going to have to be, you know, some lab tests done with this. They recommend that they have LFTs baseline one month and annually, and that the dosage of this can be uh, an injection, an intramuscular 380 milligrams once a month, or 50 milligrams PO daily. So that's one option. Acamprosate is the second, and that is first-line treatment for patients desiring abstinence who do not have renal impairment or hypercalcemia, but it's safe in patients with liver disease. And the maximum dosage of that is 666 milligrams three times a day. You may start lower um, because there are some side effects, but due to the multiple times of dosing per day, it's, you know, it's less desirable for patients. You have to check out LFTs, renal function, and calcium baseline, and there's no standard recommendations on repeating those. And then the third is disulfiram, and that's for patients who desire abstinence who are without liver disease, psychotic disorders, or seizure disorders. And the dose is 250 to 500 milligrams once a day you have to avoid any products with alcohol. That includes cooking wine, mouthwash, cough syrups. And they state it works best under a patient that's under supervision.
0: I've got to tell you, this week I have prescribed both a acamprosate and naltrexone. Um, I love naltrexone. Does it work for everyone? No. But 50 milligrams once a day for that, maybe one in six patients it really decreases, in some cases, eliminates their desire to drink. Acamprosate is a great drug, but you have to start it once they're abstinent and free of risk of withdrawal. So they have to really have gone through five to seven days without any alcohol and, and be stable. These are both great drugs. I, I have not used disulfram in 25 years, and I'm, I'm afraid to use it now. But I, Jill, this is such a huge topic. Um, thanks for summarizing it so quickly and so well.
1: So, Frank, there's just a couple more things, right? We have to make sure whose support is in his life and assure him that this is a chronic disease and that we're going to be there to help him, that it's preventable and that we can treat him. And this is one thing that just came out this month from the Canadian guidelines for zero alcohol consumption. And I also want to tell you, I have uh, a relative that works in the beverage industry and the largest. Increasing beverages are zero alcohol beverages. So there's options. I mean, so, you know, there's options for patients to enjoy the taste of cider without it having any alcohol in it. And I also want to remind people, what's a drink? It's a 12-ounce beer with 5% alcohol by volume. It's a 12-ounce seltzer. Again, 5% alcohol by volume. Wine is a 5-ounce 12.5% alcohol by volume. And if you drink spirits, whiskey, vodka, gin, etc., it's one and a half ounces with 40% alcohol by volume. Practice pointer, alcohol abuse is preventable. Primary care providers are key in identifying, treating, and referring patients for recovery and resources.
0: Join us next time when we talk about effective treatment of opioid use disorder and the discontinuation of the X-Waiver. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by Prime Ed. To claim CME credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, follow the link in the description. To stay up to date on the most recent clinical research and news, please subscribe to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine and be sure to check out PrimeMed.com for additional CME content.